San Francisco, California, like so many American cities, going down the tubes. Quality of life in the pits, crime through the roof, drug use, homelessness everywhere. But finally, a ray of hope. They have a mayor who's totally insane in my book, has been all for defunding the police and cancel culture and all that stuff. But her name is London Breed. And finally, finally, some sanity. You know, you can only push it so far. She woke up. I don't know what happened to her, but I like at least what she's saying suddenly. All of our residents, our workers, and everyone who visits our city should feel safe no matter what part of town they're in. And I know that San Francisco is a compassionate city. We are a city that prides ourselves on second chances and rehabilitation. But we're not a city where anything goes. What I'm proposing today and what I will be proposing in the future will make a lot of people uncomfortable. And I don't care. At the end of the day, the safety of the people of San Francisco is the most important thing to me. And we are past the point where what we see is even remotely acceptable. What has made the most significant difference to address public safety is yes, we've made investments in social service programs, yes, we pushed for reforms to our criminal justice system, we will continue to do that. But when a line is crossed, people have to be held accountable for the crimes they commit in our city. And that's where our police officers have been critically important to our ability to do so. The reign of criminals who are destroying our city, it is time for it to come to an end. And it comes to an end when we take the steps to be more aggressive with law enforcement more aggressive with the changes in our policies and less tolerant of all the that has destroyed our city. Wow, huh? Now look, talk is cheap, but I sense that something happened to her deep inside and she really wants to fix that city. Now I could, we could here at Newsmax go back and find all the silly things she said over the past two years and show, oh, what a hypocrite. We're not gonna do that because you know what? Good for her. That's all in the past. If she can make this happen, and I want to encourage other leftist nutjobs to <laughs> see the light and fix your problems. If you do that, you may have made some mistakes, but let's move on. So good for uh, Mayor Breed there. We'll keep our fingers crossed that she makes good on all of that stuff. Meanwhile, we have yet more information that this lab in Wuhan, China, is where the coronavirus started. Engineered, leaked out, but everyone now says it came from this lab. The evidence seems to be overwhelming. Today, a special hearing in the UK before British Parliament added more evidence, concrete evidence, that it came from the lab. We'll show you how Joe Biden reacted to this uh, in a moment. But first, a uh, very special scientist who has uh, affiliation with Harvard and MIT spoke before the parliament. So you say more likely than not that it, it was a lab leak. Um, yeah, how confident are you that we will be able to definitively determine the origins of COVID-19 over time? I'm very confident. We've seen from previous uh, cover-ups as well that it just takes time because right now it's not safe for people who know about the origin of this 
pandemic to come forward. So it might be five years from now, it might be 50 years from now. But she is confident it came from that laboratory. And when Joe Biden was confronted with this, very serious, very serious information, what did he say? President Biden, on 800,000 coronavirus deaths, um, if you have a statement on your responsibility, why haven't you uh, asked China to do more to be transparent on the origins? <laughs> Laugh and walk away. Laugh and walk away. Um, why would he do that? Why would he do that? I believe he's doing that because he's compromised, because China knows things about him and about Hunter. How would President Trump react? How did President Trump react? It was China's fault, and China's going to pay a big price what they've done to this country. China's going to pay a big price what they've done to the world. This was China's fault. And just remember that. <laughs> Clear, unambiguous, no laughing, no walking away, because... He's not compromised. Joe Biden compromised. We all saw it, by the way, when he got off that plane with his son, Hunter. Now, Joe Biden, as you know, spent a lot of time with President Xi. Remember this image, by the way, Hunter getting off the plane. It's going to be important in a moment. And there he is with President Xi. You know how much time he spent with Xi, right? He would never let us forget it. I've spent more time with Xi Jinping, at least before we got out, than any world leader has. I've traveled 17,000 miles with him, the president of China. I probably spent more time with Xi Jinping, I'm told, than any world leader has because I, I had 24, 25 hours of private meetings with him when I was vice president, traveled 17,000 miles with him, and know him pretty well. I've spent more time with President Xi of China than any world leader has for 24 hours of private meetings with him. I have spoken and spent more time with Xi Jinping than any other world leader has. I've had hours and hours and hours of meetings and personal conversations with Xi Jinping. I spent more time with him, I believe, than any other world leader has. Now, the American people, we don't care about these kinds of numbers, the meetings. Why brag to us? He's in the habit of bragging to lobbyists, bragging to people who can make Hunter rich, therefore him rich. Now, remember this picture, Hunter getting off the plane. This is in China. Now, the way it was described, oh, Joe's just a family man, and they brought along uh, Joe's granddaughter as well. There was something else going on here big time. In that new book by Miranda Devine, Laptop from Hell, it goes like this. The Chinese were not fooled by the presence of uh, the granddaughter. They understand implicitly the concept of Guangxi, it's called, the Confucian system of personalized social networks and reciprocal obligations that is the foundation stone of Chinese culture going back thousands of years. Goes on to say, Guangxi is a way of getting ahead and getting along, which was familiar to Joe from his earliest Delaware days when he leveraged jobs and other favor favors for family members from his donors. So this is great for Joe and his family, uh, but for us, <laughs> we who don't do business personally with uh, Chinese hedge funds, well, we might be screwed <laughs> because China is, of course, a major adversary of ours and they are growing more and more powerful. All right. Their military clearly is on the rise. Their industry is at times, it seems unbeatable. What else? Their Navy, their Navy is actually bigger than the United States Navy. How did that happen? How did that happen? And they're developing a missile 
that can travel 6,000 miles per hour, a hypersonic uh, plane slash delivery system. You know, we used to be very comfortable with a great big fat barrier between us and China, the Pacific Ocean. But with cyber warfare and a missile that can travel 6,000 miles per hour, that ocean isn't big anymore. Are we ready? Are we ready to handle this stuff? Our defense uh, system? No, I don't think so. The Pentagon now is focused on DEI. It sounds impressive, but DEI stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. All this nonsense, transgender education, uh, wokeness, uh, understanding each other, not lethality, not projecting force, not the things that we pay a military to do. All that stuff, not the priority. And another thing that's driving the whole conversation here that you haven't heard, generals are afraid of being yelled at. They'll do anything to avoid what happened to General Berger a couple of years ago from Democrat Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. I can tell you, your answers today are unsatisfactory. They do not go far enough. And I would like you to know what you intend to do to the commanders who are responsible for good order and discipline. All of this behavior is in violation of Article 120 and Article 34, as so stated. They are violating the code of criminal justice. You know, you know you've heard it before, but we're going to have to change how we see ourselves and how we do how we treat each other. Um, that's a that's a lame answer. But ma'am, that's all I that's the best I can tell you right now. And he runs back and uh, everybody from that point on, you got to take care of Senator Kirsten Gillibrand and her pet project. Now, listen, I don't want anybody to be harassed. I don't want anybody to be assaulted. But you get a couple of hundred thousand people together. Some bad things are going to happen. You get a couple of million people together, like the military, some bad things are going to happen. Now the generals are totally focused on these pet projects of individual senators and not beating China. This is real. This is happening. The media don't care. They could care less. That clubby, ridiculous world where they're all out just for their next book deal or their next scoop. It is the most sickening culture in America. Believe me, I've been there. You know who called it out and it was amazing? Of course, Donald Trump. They hated him because he was so willing to call it out. Don't underestimate their personal resentment of him and the threat he posed to their careers. Also want to talk about this. Guess who just might be coming back after all in some way, shape or form? I dream of going up to her and sitting down next to her taking her in my arms and saying, look at me, listen to me. You will survive. You will have a good family of your own and three children. And as hard as it might be to imagine, your daughter will grow up and become the president of the United States. So I thought she was just having a nervous breakdown when I first saw this, but no, there's something more going on here. We all know that Kamala Harris seems to be having a nervous breakdown. Uh, the word is they're trying to orchestrate a vice presidential spot for Hillary. And then, of course, she'd be that much closer to the presidency. Keep your eye on it. In the meantime, we'll be right back. Waukesha, Wisconsin. You know what happened there? 
Maybe not. Possibly the worst racially motivated violence that we've seen in 25 years in this country. Why isn't anyone talking about it? We'll be right back. Joyful and triumphant, oh come ye, oh come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of Angels. Oh come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. All I, I can, can say. Is, is that, that the, the fake, fake news, news just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, do they? How about this for some fake news? The top of NBC News with Lester Holt. All right, get ready. This is shocking information. Breaking news tonight, the critical vote on holding former top Trump aide Mark Meadows in contempt of Congress. The House voting on referring Meadows to the Justice Department for criminal charges for defying the January 6th committee and the newly revealed text messages from Fox News hosts and the then president's own son pleading with him to help stop the Capitol violence. My third grade teacher was held in contempt of Congress. It's no big deal really isn't actually Democrats, Republicans. It's fairly routine, actually, except when it happens to somebody associated with Donald Trump, then dun, 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 it's the biggest news in the world. Also, this um, on MSNBC today, they have definitive proof that the 2020 election was perfect. The Associated Press is out with an investigation that once again proves it did not happen. The AP reviewed every single potential case of voter fraud in all six battleground states, a process that exhaustively took months. Exhaustively took months. Wow. The Associated Press. The story is by Christina Cassidy. Well, she looked at it and uh, that's uh, good enough for you. It's not. It's not the FBI. It's not the government. It's not Governor Kane and Congressman Lee Hamilton the co-chairs of the 9-11 Commission. We need that kind of investigation. Not a phony baloney, fake news, wave top, preconceived notions confirmed BS story. All right? All right. Meanwhile, here's a real story that no one's talking about. It still happened. It looks like this was racially motivated. The parade massacre in Waukesha, Wisconsin. This was, according to the social media profile of Daryl Brooks, the suspect, had to be racially motivated. Oh, by the way, six people were killed, one as young as eight, and then all the way up to the age of 81. We don't hear about them anymore. Very little about this case. Why? Well, because the victims are white and the suspect is black. It really is that simple. The New York Post talked about this, the forgotten story, not fitting their narrative. Waukesha feels abandoned after the tragic parade attack. Inside the story, we hear from a uh, state representative, uh, because this was a black guy who did it, the media doesn't want to cover it. They were all over the Rittenhouse case because the kid was white. Race doesn't matter to us here, but the media makes everything about race. It's true. It's true. It's one of the reasons why Joe Biden has not gone to Waukesha 
Only today, 24 days after the massacre, did Jill Biden show up. This could be a health care event, but there she is at the hospital just a few moments ago. The first lady just kind of sneaking in there because, quite frankly, white victims don't count as much as victims of color, primarily because it can't be exploited for some larger political purpose. The big perpetrators of this hateful ideology, quite frankly, are, are liberal white people. The really amazing thing that I've learned is black people know the truth. They know exactly what's going on. It's white people that don't know. We don't realize sometimes, especially as a white person, how impactful, how offensive they are. As a white person, as white people, we need to listen. When it comes to race, white people need to listen more. I think I'm just embarrassed as a white person. As a white person, I would say, of course, I'm, I probably do play a part in that racism. A lot of white people don't understand the depth of this. When we start talking about issues around race and racism, sometimes white people need to just listen. Nobody wants to be told to shut up no matter what their race. And by the way, most of these people are very rich and very secure in their power and their virtue signaling to keep their power. They don't speak for us. They don't speak for the people, no matter what your color. Normal people don't look at the world this way. And Democrats are realizing that, that this does not work as a political issue. It doesn't. They're also realizing that they've got to get on to January 6th real quick because everything else hasn't worked. Um, impeachment, uh, Ukraine, that became so bloody confusing. The American people inherently knew it was all nonsense, just like uh, Russia collusion for the election. They knew that was nonsense. But it was very hard to understand, very hard for Democrats to communicate. So... It's back to January 6th, which they think, for them, is a winner. Those rioters who came into the Capitol, who's on tape, who's on social media, they need to be identified, they need to be prosecuted. Uh, the, the perfect tone, Nicole, is we're going to hold every single one of these people accountable, and we're going to try and keep America safe, and we're going to make sure that people can never do this again. And we should prosecute those folks who committed crimes as rioters and insurrectionists in the U.S. Capitol. We are discussing why this can never happen again and what we need to do to ensure the people who did it are held accountable. Now, Democrats, including Liz Cheney, have something going for them regarding January 6th. It's easier to understand, but they're being just as dishonest with the other fake scams as with the other fake scams. When we come back, we'll show you some shockingly big protests that took place at the Capitol that they don't want you to think about. We'll be right back. We know Santa Claus is coming, but what is the true meaning of Christmas? Governor Huckabee shares the secret, and even President Trump joins in. Don't miss this Newsmax special, Mike Huckabee's Christmas in America. Who's the opposite? Do you want your house back? Take it! The left, Democrats, the media, so intent on making January 6th seem like the worst thing that ever happened. Because it's so important that they hurt not only Donald Trump, but his supporters. But January 6th, we have to put it in context. And that is what the media stinks at doing. 
and they were really bad at it actually on January 6th itself. This is the United States of America, and we're watching protesters try to undermine the course of an election, a constitutional process, through force, by storming the United look, States look at, Capitol. Look at that. That is outside. Jacob, sorry to interrupt, but look at those pictures. Have you ever seen anything like that? I mean, these, these are protesters outside on the steps of the Capitol. They're physically in there. Well, it's a fitting end to an era that has been characterized by lawlessness. Look at those people standing around. Look at these people standing around on the Capitol, near the Capitol, taking over Pennsylvania Avenue and the Capitol, the steps. Vietnam veterans who were upset. They weren't trying to take over the Capitol, but they were all over the place. Was this a sedition? Was this uh, an insurrection? No, it was a protest. What else did they say on January 6th? We are watching an attempted sedition. We are watching, watching an attempt at a bloodless coup in the United States, Trump supporters stopping the constitutional process, the counting of electors. Sedition, again, sedition. Here's another protest that happened. World War I veterans upset about a lack of pay. There they are on the steps of the Capitol. Is this sedition? No, it was a protest. It was a protest. The January 6th committee needs to be looking into why protesters were allowed into the building. We saw a lot of that. We did. There's no denying it. It actually happened. What else did they say on January 6th? This is basically taking over, storming the Capitol in, 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 in a, it's anarchy. It really is anarchy. And the president has encouraged this time and time again. And they are stopping the constitutional peaceful transfer of power. It's just anarchy how they're walking between those <laughs> those lines. They're within the rope lines. It's anarchy. You see how they're hyping it? Look, it was a complex situation, but they were painting as they always do with the broadest, most biased brush. They're all radicals. They're all insane. No, it's more nuanced than that. But they don't do nuance. They're not good at it. Want to see some other horrible things that happened in Washington, D.C.? Outside the Pentagon, all right? During Vietnam War, there were all kinds of clashes. Some guy burned himself to death. He was so mad at the war. But notice they did something that they didn't do at the Capitol. They had these armed National Guardsmen. They formed a perimeter around the building so nobody would get through. Why did that not happen on January 6th around the Capitol? That is a very good question that's not being asked. Liz Cheney can read from Mark Meadows' cell phone all she wants, but the real question is not being asked. Yet the media, boy, oh boy, they're just, they're in on it. They're in on this great big hoax. We picked this one because it goes to the heart of our country's founding. It was the most serious attack on representative democracy in modern times. If we can't govern ourselves with free and fair elections, if we can't settle our disputes without violence, where are we as a country? Okay, we just told you they're 
this hyperbole, this exaggeration, this distortion, that's what the media does. And this is the so-called fact-checking outfit for the mainstream media. Interrupting, disrupting, even obstructing Congress happens almost every day. Could I, uh... Suffering with brain tumors. Suffering with brain tumors. Breast cancer. And you know Thank you. Would you please leave? Would you please leave the room now? We're asking you nicely. But we're asking you nicely to please leave the room. Look, we're asking you right. nicely. Would you please? Hey, this is uh, this is obstruction. I mean, this is 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 this obstruction of democracy? It's only really, really bad. Really, really existential, as they like to say. If it comes from Trump supporters, this kind of behavior from Trump supporters, that's an existential threat. January 6th, what you got to remember, what they won't be able to cover up, although they'll try, is Donald Trump put out clear and concise messages calling for peace throughout the afternoon of January 6th, both in Twitter form and uh, in that media message, the video message he put out. Uh, around four o'clock. By the way, I went back. I was kind of curious. What did I say on January 6th? I was very active and I'm still active on Twitter. Um, part of my comments were directed at the media. Some at the people who broke in. Don't fuel the fire. No one is justified to break any laws today. The moment a person breaks law, by all means, cuff them. Lawful protests only. But I was also suspicious about a couple of things. Does Nancy Pelosi ever talk to the Capitol Police? How did they get on the floor? Media, stop the hype. And no justification for any violence or property damage. The cops must get them, condemn the violence, and let the objections on the floor continue. Yes, raising objections to the fairness of the 2020 election and the electoral count is legal and constitutional, and no committee can say otherwise. They'll try, they'll be lying, <laughs> they'll be lying. We'll be right back with uh, two great guests, Dr. Oz, he's running for the Senate in Pennsylvania, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He has an interesting new book on Dr. Fauci. So uh, there will be, for the time being, no Dr. Oz show on daytime TV. The show's going on, I guess, hiatus or going away in January because Dr. Oz himself is running for the United States Senate as a Republican. Uh, we welcome him back to Newsmax. Dr. Oz, thanks for being here. How are you? I'm doing well. The campaign's doing fantastically uh, well. I'm traveling all over the state of Pennsylvania. I get better ideas from all the people I meet. I'm more optimistic now, Greg, than I have been in a long time because the concepts are out there. We know what we need to do to succeed as a nation. We just got to get out of the way of the people and empower people to do it. Can you give me one? What, what have you heard from a, a potential voter for you? You're traveling to Pennsylvania. They said, Dr. Oz, try this. One of the big issues is people aren't coming back to work. And everyone's blaming the fact they've got too much money stored up from stimulus packages or, uh, you know, they're scared of COVID. And this one woman at a, at a uh, restaurant said, tell them it's about service. 
to serve your fellow man, leave your home and get paid for it. It's called a job, by the way. And that would allow us to go back to work in, in a larger number so we can keep all of our facilities functioning correctly. And I think it's a great idea. Make it more than just your personal feelings about getting out of your pajamas. Make it about serving the nation. So one guy who's uh, all over the place still is Dr. Fauci. Uh, somebody uncovered this, an interesting conversation he had with Mark Zuckerberg last year. He said some eye-opening things, eyebrow-raising things about vaccines in general. Listen to this, please. There was the history of the respiratory syncytial virus vaccine in children, which paradoxically made the children worse. One of the HIV vaccines that we tested several years ago actually made individuals more likely to get infected. So you can't just go out there and give it unless you feel that in the field, when someone is getting infected and exposed, being vaccinated doesn't make them worse. You got to make sure it doesn't make them worse. I could I could believe that. He said that in March of 2020. If he said it now, he'd be possibly canceled or chased off of Facebook. Your view on what he just said and overall, if you don't mind, on Dr. Fauci. Well, this idea has been shared in the past. Of course, it's been dismissed as conspiracy theory. But as you heard from Dr. Fauci, it's real. Uh, it doesn't mean you shouldn't get a vaccine, but there are concerns that are appropriately raised. And it actually is a ripple effect through the entire management of COVID. I think Dr. Fauci should be held accountable for his mismanagement of COVID. And it's not you know, just because he, you know, he said a few things like you just played. I think he should resign because he's lost the trust of the American people. We've had too many people die at a higher percentage per capita than other countries. We have mandates that we don't know how well they've worked. There's not a lot of science to support some of the things that are being said. There's gain of function uh, research in Wuhan that has been defended. And it's possible that we actually, our government, using our taxpayer dollars, may have funded some of that, all of which denied, of course, by Dr. Fauci. At a certain point, you say, enough's enough. But let's take, take a step back here. Let's go back to 2020 when, when Dr. Fauci was saying that. President Trump responded using no-nonsense, problem-solving skills, while too many other leaders were responding like politicians. That saved a lot of lives. Closed travel, right? That was controversial. He was excoriated for it. Unleashed the power of innovation. Put scientists to place. We've developed a vaccine in months. People's including Dr. Fauci, thought it would take years. So we have the ability. We have to get the bureaucrats, the bureaucrats like Dr. Fauci out of the way. Let innovation crush this virus. I'll give you one good example, pills. What happened to the pills? We were talking about the fact we should be able to treat COVID better. We still haven't done it, Greg. We still don't have FDA-approved pills to treat people with early diagnosed COVID. And yet we have had pills since before COVID started that should have worked, could have worked, that have been proven to work. We still haven't had them approved. So if you get to the United States Senate and full disclosure here, I'm rooting for Dr. Oz, but you're going to have to confront uh, Joe Biden. And I want to show you how he reacted to very grave concerns about the origin of the coronavirus, possibly from the lab just this morning. Look at his reaction to a very serious question. President Biden, um, 800,000 coronavirus deaths. Um, do you have a statement on your responsibility? And why haven't you uh, asked China to do more to be transparent on the origins? He laughed it off and he walked away. Number one, your reaction to that. And I know you I believe you were born in Delaware. Uh, did you ever cross paths with Joe Biden? And what's your sense of him overall? 
I actually was not born in Delaware, but I did spend a lot of my formative years on the Pennsylvania border, and Joe Biden was in the community. Uh, and I, he does seem to have changed, from what I can tell, but I never was really focused on him. What I am focused on now is that Wuhan lab leak that you just mentioned, and is not something to be taken lightly. There has clearly been an effort to cover up what really happened in Wuhan. And today, just today, Greg, before we came on air, in Parliament in the United Kingdom, they've, they've shared this now. They believe the Wuhan lab leak hypothesis is the most likely origin for this virus. Now, this is important because we've been saying it's a conspiracy theory to even say that. And President Biden's laughing it off. Let's look at the reality here. There was a letter published in one of our biggest journals weeks after this virus broke out, claiming with 26 scientists led by a guy named Danzig that there's no way this was made in the lab. And no one knew the conflicts of interest. No one knew the money was being funneled to China. But all of the physicians looking at this letter, myself included, I knew some of the authors thought, well, you know, these are world experts. They must know what they're talking about. They didn't. It undermines medicine. And you mix politics and medicine, you know what you get, Greg? Politics. That's one of the reasons I'm running for the U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania, because I don't know how else to make an impact unless we confront these, it's, I think, scandalous realities up front. Dr. Oz, come back soon. We appreciate it very much. Mehmet Oz, Republican candidate for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. Thank you, sir. Hey, Greg, one favor. DrOz.com has got all the information on how we're fighting it back against the censorship of our site. Facebook shut us down for 48 hours uh, on our advertising. We're finally back up and running, but we're not going to take it anymore. So come visit DrOz.com. DrOz.com. Spell it out. DrOz.com. Will do. Thank you. We'll be right back. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. That Dr. Fauci, he's had every position on every issue. It's pretty amazing. Our next guest, I feel, really has this guy's number. He is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yes. That Kennedy family, the illustrious Kennedy family, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., a noted environmentalist and also the author of The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health. Everybody is talking about this book. It's an important one. And Mr. Kennedy, uh, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm very well, thanks. So, uh, look, where do we begin? Dr. Fauci, you heard what he just said about vaccines. Tell us, tell us about the real Dr. Fauci that you uncovered, please. Well, I wanted to write the book because I've been grappling with Tony Fauci for 20 years before the pandemic. And I, you know, a lot of Americans, when they saw Dr. Fauci initially, put a lot of faith in him and almost kind of deified him as this kind of a funkular, steady, science-based authority who had been a public health, public servant and public health advocate for 50 years, advised six president. But I knew a different Tony Fauci. I knew the man who was the architect of agency capture, who had taken a public health agency, directed it away from public health, towards a new mission of promoting pharmaceutical products and transformed his own agency, the National Institute for Allergic and Infectious Disease, into the world's biggest incubator of new pharmaceutical products. Between 2009 and 2016, 
FDA approved 240 new pharmaceutical drugs, all of which came from Tony Fauci's shop. I showed how he take he personally takes uh, um, patent rights on these drugs. His agency owns half the patent for the Moderna vaccine. He's distributed patent rights to four of his favorite loyalists who will now receive $150,000 a year for life on a product they're supposed to be regulating that American people paid for, that private industry is going to profiteer from, and that his agency still owns half the patent and stands to collect now billions of dollars. And what I show is that the mercantile and commercial aspects of drug production have completely obscured and eclipsed the regulatory and public health functions of this agency. So is he, you mentioned the money, um, 150,000 for life, that kind of thing. What do you think motivates Fauci? Is it, is it money? Is it power? I've always gotten the sense that if it's not his idea or if his bureaucracy didn't have something to do with it, he downplays it. But what do you think personally motivates this guy? You know, I don't go into his motivation. I don't try to look into his brain. I only, this, this book is 240,000 words. Every factual assertion in it is cited and sourced. So if I don't know the answer to something, I don't speculate about it. But it's pretty clear that both he and Bill Gates have worked together in a way that has dramatically has made him the most uh, powerful um, medical bureaucrat in history, the most powerful doctor in history. He, between him and Gates and their friend Jeremy Farrar, and they all coordinate everything that they do together. Jeremy Farrar runs the Wellcome Trust, which is the UK version of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They control 61% of the biomedical research in the world. So all of the, if you are doing research on medicine on this planet today, your livelihood ultimately is dependent on Tony Fauci. Sure. And that's why you see this omerta. You know, virtually, I show that virtually every virologist in the world, anybody who looked at the genome or the coronavirus 19, knew from the beginning that this was a lab-generated virus. But Tony Fauci, by control, by through his exercising his control and discipline over the entire virology community, was able to keep everybody silenced for a year. If you go on CNN any night of the week and you see these doctors who are supposed to be independent doctors talking, people like Paul Offit, Peter Hotez, Stanley Perlman, Art Kaplan, they are not independent doctors. Virtually all those people are completely reliant on Tony Fauci yeah. for their annual income. The people who run the FDA panels that approve new drugs, they are not FDA employees. They are people who largely make their living from grants from Tony Fauci and Bill Gates. They aren't independent. They're part of this, uh, what, this cabal of what they call principal investigators that controls the global narrative on public health. And yeah. as I show in the book, right. they are controlled and disciplined and, uh, and manipulated by Tony Fauci. Um, Mr. Kennedy, I want to play something that has always confused me. And 
I've heard conflicting reports on why he said what he said, but here he is saying that <laughs> he turned the phone off, if you don't mind. Yeah, it happens all the time here. Uh, masks uh, don't work. He said this early in the pandemic, and of course he's changed his tune, but he said it so emphatically. Uh, this is, I believe, in March or late February of 2020. It's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. So he really said, don't wear masks. And now, of course, he's uh, so emphatic about the mask. Was he what do you think he was doing there? Well, he later said that what he was doing was he was trying to dampen the demand for masks to make sure that frontline workers had access to them and the public wouldn't buy them all up. But that is belied by his emails because he was writing personal emails not only to friends of his, but also to his boss at HHS at that time saying masks simply don't work. And there's there are the overwhelming scientific evidence suggests that they probably do not work except in very, very narrow circumstances. There's very little, uh, there is no real peer review. There aren't, let me put it this way. Tony Fauci is constantly demanding that we have peer reviewed placebo-controlled randomized trials for ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and any drug that he doesn't like. But when it comes to remdesivir, when it comes to masks, when it comes to vaccines, he's perfectly happy to, to mandate them without those kind of studies. And what we've said is the thought the jury is out on whether masks work or not. The overwhelming science right now suggests that they don't, but that science is not complete. And it may be that in some circumstances we do, they do. What we need in this country is democracy. We need a public debate. We need a, an environmental impact statement, which Tony Fauci goes through the regulatory process, shows us the science that he's relying on shows us the science that he's going to do and then allows his scientists to be cross-examined and other people opposing scientists be, to, to have direct testimony and cross-examination. None of that process has ever happened. Everything is done through these emergency diktats by a medical bureaucrat who is the J. Edgar Hoover of public health, who's been in office 50 years, largely I show, because of his personal corruption, because of his ability to carry or his willingness to carry water for the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. And he is not acting in the best interest of the American public or public health. And we ought to be able to have that debate without censorship. It's an important book. And let's put it up on the screen, please. The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health. Uh, available, uh, possibly not wherever books are sold, because uh, some people, some powerful people may not want you reading this, but I think uh, we should all read it. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., we thank you very much for being on Newsmax. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll be right back. Eric Bowling is back, and he's fighting big media, woke politics, and cancel culture. Every afternoon, Eric's new The Balance tells the truth and exposes the big lies. Watch Eric Bowling every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. So tonight, 
Governor Huckabee is going to be interviewing Donald Trump. At what time? Uh, nine o'clock. Should be great. Mike Huckabee, former governor, of course. Hey, there might be a future Huckabee uh, in the works, if you know what I mean. His daughter is running for governor. Should be great. Check it out. I will see you tomorrow.